My name is William Corliss and this is the Workplace Podcast. Brought to you in association with Yellowwood, providers of executive coaching, corporate training and facilitation. Your external learning and development partner. Each week we focus on a different aspect of the workplace. We hear from guest speakers who will be subject matter experts, who I believe are incredibly talented at what they do. These experts will give you a different perspective and insight to work life, with the aim of empowering you to take a different path to success in all aspects of work life. These perspectives will include career and personal success, leadership, high performance teams, and creating a better work life culture in your organization. Yellowwood, take a different path to success with your career, team, and organization. Welcome to the Workplace Podcast, and today's guest is Fabio Grassi. Fabio has a Master's in Organization Behavior. He's a certified master coach and a practitioner in LLP. He's also a certified master trainer. Fabio has 20,000 hours of training and design and delivery and over 3,000 hours of executive coaching with a client satisfaction rating of 94%. Fabio has designed, developed, and delivered customized learning interventions for a wide range of organizations, from small SMEs to large global corporates. Fabio's focus is on action learning and supporting individuals to transfer experiential experiential learning into specific organizational contexts. So Fabio, as an honorary Galway man, you are very welcome to the podcast. Thank you, William. You? Thank you. I'm good. Raise out. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So thanks so very much for joining me on the podcast. So the topic of today is virtual design for training, especially for organizational learning. So can you tell me a little bit more about virtual design? Why is it important for the listeners of the podcast? Yeah, I think um, so. I mean, obviously, the the, 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 the the world is changing quite fast and quite a bit uh, in the last few months. And so a lot of the, the work we're doing is uh, transferred over on uh, online right so uh, i think this is something that uh, is primed to happen for a long time at this stage i remember we were uh, uh, we were talking about this uh, in ibm back in 2000 if you want but i don't think that we had the, we had the, the technology as uh, sophisticated as we have today so today i think there is uh, the possibility to really make it happen and make it happen in a way that um, is actually very effective if you want yeah and, and okay. so I, I think the importance of this is that um, you know, it's uh, being able to do business online, whether it is uh, training, whether it is uh, uh, working, I think is becoming a, a priority uh, moving forward, right? Um, I think this, uh, this, uh, this pandemic is uh, teaching us that, uh, you know, that the economy can stop very quickly uh, if something like that happens. So being able to kind of be flexible about that, it's, uh, it's really becoming paramount. But I think aside from that, there is a lot of uh, hidden uh, treasures in uh, the move to uh, to virtual training, right? And um, and obviously, if you want to do virtual training, you got to understand how do we design training that suit virtual environments. Uh, and it's not really necessarily a straightforward answer. You know, um, it's always dependable on how do you see training. You know, what is training about? And obviously, you know, there are some subjects and some items that probably lend itself more than others. But at the same time, it's uh, there is there has to be a, um, a mindset for how do we design it so that it works. 
so that it does what it delivers and uh, we reap all the benefit from it. And do you think, you know, do people place enough value on that design element? Because I know at the start of the, the pandemic, we collaborated quite a bit and a lot of our thinking was around design. You know, do you think there's a, much emphasis on the design aspect? <laughs> That's an interesting question. I think today the word design has been uh, is, is one of those uh, those words that has been uh, you know mistreated. You know, every every decade or every five years there is a word that is being used and reused. I mean, a few years ago was engagement. Uh, maybe there was uh, innovation. One of those words, right? And I think design is the same thing. Right, right now, I think we are uh, we are uh, using it and abusing it, and uh, I'm not sure if we always understand what that means. Right. Uh, to my perspective, uh, the whole idea of design in the context of um, training and development is uh, is creating uh, um, a learning process, right? That uh, allow the participants uh, of the training to kind of uh, not only engage with the training but also get something valuable out of it. And so, uh, you know, it, it cannot be led to the you know cannot be led. It cannot be. Um, underestimated, if you want to put it that, need to be considered in all its aspects. And there are many, many facets to it, right? Uh, and particularly in virtual design, I think there is this element of uh, um, motivation and sustained motivation. Because you see, and again, that is important as well in, in classroom based, right? But classroom based is a, 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 there's a higher level of engagement, if you want to. There are people, there are, a, there is a socialization and so on and so forth. In the, in the motivation of the learner, sorry. Yes, the motivation of the yeah. learner. Yes, you're absolutely right. And the, you know, how do we keep the, 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 learning, the learning motivated to, uh, uh, you know, be participant to the process? You know what I mean? So if I'm, like I'm, like I'm probably doing now, if I'm start talking and <laughs> talking and talking and talking very quickly, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the learner might actually kind of, uh, you know, switch off mentally, if not uh, literally, right? And, and today it's so easy. You just push a button and all of a sudden they won't hear from you anymore, right? So uh, there is an element of uh, keep the motivation going. And, and obviously the, the design speaks to that. How do we design programs virtually that maintains the motivation? And this is true at every level of uh, the organization, but also at every level of, uh, of learning from, you know, kids going to school virtually to, you know, adults going to, <laughs> to training if you want, you know. Yeah. So there's a lot of thought put behind that. And what are the, the, the challenges that you have overcome over the last couple of months during the pandemic to transfer training online, especially with that uh, lens of the the virtual training hat on. Yeah. So I think, and you know this from, from, from training in classroom all the time, right? The, there is um, training in classroom, there is always uh, uh, the few vocal participants that are asking questions, that are saying what they think, and, uh, and, and it's great because those are the ones that gives energy to the classroom, right? But yet again, the one uh, the participant that we never really notice are the ones that are uh, a little bit more reserved. They are not really um, prepared to kind of you know um, ask the question because they maybe feel uncomfortable. Maybe they haven't talked it through yet. So uh, we usually talk about the extroverted and introverted uh, type of um, participants, right? I think with virtual, we are potentially opening up the opportunity for the introverted to be able to contribute without being overshadowed by the extroverted, okay? 
yeah. and so there is a bit more balance. And 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 I know this might might sound unusual, but the the way I think this is possible is in the last few months I I start using a, a mural as a platform for um, for developing you know exercises, and I and I think in mural that's uh, that's the great thing about it. You know, everybody has access to a, 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 a virtual whiteboard and everybody can input their own ideas, their own questions, their own components, right? So it doesn't matter if you're vocal or not, you know, nobody really knows who is adding what. So there is a, the comfort of, uh, you know, uh, almost like a little bit of a personal privacy, but also there is, you can put in whatever you want to in there, right? And so I think it's opening up the opportunity for more introverted participants to actually uh, Share what they think, and and maybe enrich the the, the content of that uh, shared information. You know what I mean. So I think you know, that, that to me is a big piece. You know, I'd agree with that, Fabio, because Mural for me, and thank you very much for introducing Mural. By the way, okay. uh, it's really a digital whiteboard. It's a space where normally in the classroom we would have you know, whiteboards or post-its or pin boards or something to that effect yeah. to get engagement. And it's just, it's just a digital version of that. And what I think that's really important about that is, is a lot of you are more reserved in your nature or if you're introverted uh, in style, what happens then is that allows you for your thoughts and opinions to be heard without actually your voice being used. And exactly. nobody is drowning you out or dominating the uh, the discussion and I think that's what's really good about mural is there's not just one voice or limited voices being heard across a larger group. Yeah, absolutely. And again, to me, that is an advantage over the the face to face classroom because uh, you know, and you know yourself how this works, right? Uh, when you have those uh, those pin boards or the or flip chart where there are small little groups, uh, you know, putting their information on it, there is always the uh, the one that overtakes everybody else. <laughs> All right, and again, it's not a, 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 a they don't do it with a, with a malice, but it's a, it's a, it's a natural inclination. And so, obviously, if you are more introverted, a bit more reserved, you're not going to really kind of rock the boat in somewhere or not, right? So, I think with the virtual, we are on the verge of opening up a, a, a different way, a more uh, we're playing. We literally we are we having a, a a playing field here, whereby all participants can contribute equally. At any point in time, so it's almost like an enabler in uh, in so many different ways. You know, what's your that, experience? I mean, you're doing a lot of this uh, work as well. I, I, I wonder what what is your what do you take out of it? Like for me, I think my my learning is is that you could be a subject matter expert on any topic, and mm. you would get away in the classroom stuff that you cannot get away with now online. Mm -hmm. And I think the design is the really important part. And it's funny, you know, I'm, I'm glad you invited me in there because for me, you know, it's that design element is how do you manage for dominance in the room? How do you manage, you know, uh, for engagement? How do you keep people focused? And these are all the little things that you, you just have to weave in as part of your design. And because people have an expectation of technology as pace, you know, if it doesn't run smoothly, if it isn't well thought out, you're going to be found out fairly quickly through lack of engagement. And for me, I think that's the that's the thing I, I did quite well before the pandemic. And now afterwards, it was easy for me to transfer online. Um, and I'll say it was easy, but it actually took maybe two or three times the effort then to make it look seamless. You know, there's a lot of work in the background because you have to make sure 
all your technology and all your um, different interventions are lined up. And I think that's the crucial thing. And for me, I, I think with design is you need to figure out how that's going to be. It's a production really, isn't it, Fabio? You know, you nearly absolutely. need someone beside you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting you're saying that because, you see, I'm kind of going back to when uh, I, I, I was a, a trainer first back in the, the time when I was in IBM. It's a long time ago now. But uh, I remember, I think, one, uh, um, one of the, the, the typical scene that you have all this knowledge, right? You want to pass on this knowledge. And the, the, the easiest way to do it is to start talking about it, right? <laughs> and you talk and you talk and you talk. And all of a sudden, you have uh, in front of you 30 people that, uh, you know, maybe they start kind of, uh, you know, rolling their eyes. And, uh, and so you're kind of wondering, okay, so this is what we normally call a lecture, right? And we can put in, inject a lot of energy in the lecture from a perspective of, you know, uh, using different tones of voice and make it interesting, connected to their own, um, to their own needs. And so there are a number of ways and tricks to make a, a lecture interesting, if you want. But it's still a lecture. Does it really require any effort from the learner side to actually, you know, um, digest it if you want to be that way, right? Yes, of course they can take notes, right? Uh, yes, of course they could do all those kind of uh, uh, other, you know, mind maps and things like that. But the the, the difference uh, between a lecture and a training is exactly that to me, is that uh, in the training I'm not just uh, pouring off all the information, which I can, I'm I'm stimulating your thinking. I'm simulating the participant thinking. And so how do I put in place a framework or a structure that allow the participant to think through certain, uh, certain components, right? So essentially, I think in training is about, it really is about um, teaching people how to think rather than, you know, sharing uh, information. And again, somebody probably might, might contradict me on this, right? Because there is a, another way to look at training, which is I'm going to teach you the steps of doing something. So it's a practical thing, right? And yes, of course, there is that aspect too. But it's not just about learning the steps. It's about learning when the steps don't work, what, what will I do? So it's an element of, uh, you know, how do I think through a situation that is different from what I've learned up to this point in time? And so to develop that kind of ability to think through, I need to have a, 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 a training session that is structured in some way that stimulates that, 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 the challenging thinking. So it's not just me be talking to you, but it's about you telling me, you know, or challenging my perspective. And then maybe we can have a, a, a dialogue. And again, I call it a dialogue rather than a discussion because discussion implies a certain amount of, uh, uh, you know, uh, conflict, right? Now in training, it's not a conflict, it's a dialogue. Right, it's mm. not a discussion. It's a dialogue. You say what you think. I say what I think. We're trying to work it out, and we might actually come up to some kind of uh, interesting uh, new uh, insights, if you want. Yeah. And so you have to have a design that supports that. And it's not just a design. And I I learned over the years to di distinguish these two words, design and development, because design mm. is a, is a you know conceptual idea of a flow, right? But that flow needs to be translated into, you know, some collaterals, right? So there is an element of how do we build those collaterals? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Which is, takes yeah. time, of course. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. And for me, it's like, how do you embed that learning, you know, uh, with a participant? Okay. And we all have different learning styles. And I think mm -hmm. what's really important is that word, you know, that you're using is dialogue because, 
you're able to have those challenging, thought-provoking conversations. And it is about, you know, empowering people with those tools or those those frameworks there. And I think that's a, a really important aspect of design is how do you manage the group as well within that setting? And I think that returns back to, it's about not just subject matter expertise and design, but it's also the facilitator on the day. And especially you being a master facilitator, then, you know, this is where you're in your element. And I know myself, like both of us are actually uh, delivering separate courses. So mine is more focused on virtual facilitation where yours is more on, you know, virtual design. And for people listening to the show, then what do you think would be, if they were to engage with you, what do you think they would, their, biggest benefits would be okay that's a that's a very interesting question and uh, what would be the benefit well i always try to design my programs with that idea that um, experimentation so creating a a a situation in which a participant can experiment with the with the notion we are talking about and um, and then obviously so i use the, the famous leg if you want to put it that way right uh, whether or not it's famous, I don't know, but uh, to me it's, it's, very, it's very critical. So the, the design is always based on these three components, the, the learning, the exercise, and the guidance, right? Um, and this is, again, something that has been, uh, has been shared to me by my, my mentor, if you want to view a lot of it, a long time ago. But so for every learning, learning objective, there has to be a piece on which we are sharing some form of notions or uh, information then that notion of information is to be kind of uh, applied within an exercise of some sort because the exercise allowed to experiment with it. And then obviously after that, there is a debrief or, a, or what we call it guidance if you want. And the debrief is where we are playing around with, uh, um, with the outcomes of the exercise. But there is also a, a danger in there because oftentimes I notice that we, we tend to focus on the exercise in itself rather than understand how this exercise might have some reference back to what am I doing on a day-to-day work. So the facilitator here is where what we need to do is exactly that is kind of say, well, this is what the exercise was, but if you take that learning back into your day-to-day situation, which situation can you apply the learning into and what would you do differently from now on? So it's not just about the exercise, about the transfer of the learning from the exercise to the day-to-day job, if you want, you know? And that's, uh, that's, that's where, the, uh, uh, again, those are all components of the, how do, I, how do I drive that? How do I guide the, the participants towards that, uh, that reflection? Yeah. And then obviously the final piece is how do we translate that reflection into action? Yeah. Because again, training oftentimes, uh, it, it, you know, well, oftentimes that's what the purpose of training is. Ultimately, I need to become better at doing something. Right, whether it is a, a better leader, a better manager, a better communicator. So there has to be some action that comes out of that. So it cannot be just theoretical about it. It has to be uh, a behavior change uh, coming from it or a behavior shift even, yeah? And I think that's that you've touched on a really important point. Hmm. And, and for me, when I'm designing my programs, it's very much outcome focused. Yeah. Sometimes people just choose a topic and they go, okay, off you go and I'm going well actually you know what difference do you want to make and and for me that's the whole um I I suppose premise of this podcast is what difference is this going to make 
to your work life. Okay. And for me, it's about how do you create those memorable moments as part of your design that actually makes you stop, makes you reflect. And especially when you're in your day to day, then it's kind of going, oh, this is what Fabio told me, or this is what William told me in classroom, or this is the dialogue that we had with our peers. And that made me really sit back and think and really disrupt my habit that probably is no longer working for me. You know, and I think, I I suppose there's a huge element of creativity and innovation when it comes to design, that it's actually, you know, what you're not manufacturing moments is you're creating a platform for them to happen. And I think it's the, it's the platform that happens in a very authentic way. But what you're doing is you're encouraging those thought provoking conversations to happen for further growth of that individual. And, and this is interesting because uh, if you notice, right, uh, it goes a little bit against uh, um, the, the kind of culture that is being, uh, that in, in a sense is being uh, emerging in the, in the last 30, maybe 40 years even, which is basically the more we get busy at work, the more, the less time we have to think through what we should be doing. So I think what's happening here more and more in the workplace, there is this, uh, and again, I think this shift is happening in the last few months with this pandemic, I think is kind of getting people to think differently now for the for first time in a long time. Because before that, basically, it was like getting it done, getting it done, getting it done. So you keep doing it. And therefore, you don't really generally have the time to stop and think or the time to kind of debrief what happened, right? And again, I'm making a very general statement in here. So obviously, you know, it's not as, as generic as, as I'm saying it, but I think there is a tendency going towards that, right? There is a, of, of doing, 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 very little time to think it through and say, okay, what happened in there? And what was really the, the positive outcome, the negative outcome, and so on and so forth. So I think in training is an opportunity to stop a second and do that. But if you, if you know yourself what happens, right? They're not used to do that. <laughs> so if I'm a worker that is working, 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 working every day, and I do a lot of things, but I don't stop reflecting, that becomes difficult for me. And so that challenge often time is uncomfortable, right? And, and so the, 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 it's interesting because oftentimes, obviously, they, they measure uh, the effectiveness of training by, you know, um, the, the smiley faces, right? Uh, the feedback, the immediate feedback, right? And it's interesting because if you are going through a training that is uh, challenging, you might not feel that, is, uh, that was pleasurable, right? <laughs> At the same time, but you might have learned a lot. Does that make sense? And usually, I, I noticed in the past, that uh, the more challenging you find uh, uh, um, a training uh, experience, the higher is the level of learning. Mm. So, you know, um, again, it's a little bit of a counterintuitive, isn't it? So the more I do a training uh, that is, uh, uh, you know, wonderful and pleasurable and everything else, the less I learn. The more I'm making it challenging and, uh, and conflictual, the more I actually learn. So there's a little bit of a, you know, a, a, an art in there that needs to be kind of, how do we balance these two things? So it's a positive experience, right? But it does have a challenge. So that is a constant uh, component of uh, thinking through the design. How do we make that, that design in such a way that is yeah, engaging but challenging? And I think that's the, that's the thing that, you know, we would find hard to sometimes replicate is that bravery in the classroom. It's yeah. been able to ask that 
difficult, you know, question. And and sometimes I would ask difficult questions, even when I'm getting engaged by, you know, uh, LND specialists or, yeah. you know, um, different HR business partners, because, you know, is the company placing a value on busyness or are they placing a value on the learning? So the learning can be supported to be actually implemented. And if you're not creating that time after the learning intervention, whether it be a workshop or a coaching session for that, you know, um, reflective moments to happen. I, you know, I think, uh, I think you're throwing, you know, money at something that's just a, a bottomless pit, you know, and, and, and again, in, in terms of that, we have a huge opportunity, you know, because it's the great reset. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a blank page. Let's, let's start again. Absolutely. And you're eating on a very critical point here, right? Because again, we are um, we are often thinking about training as a, as a vacuum, right? So you go to training, you learn something, and then you go back to work, right? And the problem is that again, um, what you're learning to be able to tra- translate it into action at work needs to be supported, right? So the the, the the training is not just about the classroom base or the virtual classroom or whatever it may be. It is uh, uh, there is a, a before and an after. The classroom. So, what? How? How do? How is the training being uh, introduced and presented and proposed? And 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 what is the preparation that's been done so that the participant comes into the training? And then once they are out of the training, what do we do to support them? To engage with them? To kind of give them the opportunity to use what they learn rather than quash it right away? So, I think that that, that is all part of the design. So, it's not just the classroom piece. It's uh, the before, the classroom, and the after. And and I, I guess uh, the organizations that do that do that well are those organizations then looking at, at, at learning and development as a, as a strategy rather than uh, you know um, I don't know a fixing thing. Oh, we need people to be better communicator. Let's send them to a communication training, right? Or we need to be the better leader. Let's do a, a leadership training, right? You know, it's more than that. Is what exactly uh, do you want them to change? How are you going to go and engage them into this process? What is it that uh, you're expecting from that? So it's a bigger picture, if you want. And uh, again, I, as you probably have experienced yourself, uh, you know, not always organizations are open to that conversation. You know, they're always looking at, they, they, well, they're not always, but uh, they, they often uh, want to kind of, uh, you know, just uh, you know, let, let's do this and that's it, you know. And, mm. and and to me, this is a, this is a, often is a problem because uh, um, there is a high expectation placed on an activity that is relatively short in order to change uh, a much more complex, uh, uh, you know, cultural perspective within the organization. You know, yeah, and I I'd agree with that. You know, for me, I often have to put on my. Uh, strategic HR lens there when I'm asking people, okay, so what are your competencies framework? What are your values of the organization? What are the behaviors I want to see more of, you know? Yeah. And, and and for me then, I'm, I'm curious, Fabio, then in terms of the clients that you've worked with, can you give me a typical example where your intervention then has made a big difference from this conversation there where you took that strategic approach and said, okay, you said you're going to do this, but how about we pull it back a little bit and think about other considerations that would actually provide more value for your money? Well, I think there are, there are several. And I think probably the one that more than everything, more than ever kind of um, was uh, 
instrumental for me because it kind of was a seminal piece of uh, uh, understanding and learning for myself as a trainer. It was back probably at the time of IBM when by whereby uh, you know a manager asked me for help with their team and uh, and uh, we collaborated together and said okay well let's let's understand what do we need to kind of change in here and we did an an initial piece of uh, exploration so there is this kind of uh, sense of a focus group if you want to call it that way whereby we're trying to understand what are the problems at that time I did it on an individual basis so I interviewed every single individual of the team. And on the basis of that, when we make some decision about what the training is going to be about, uh, we did the training and then uh, we reassess it and we did uh, another piece and we reassess it. So we have multiple pieces. And at the end of a nine month uh, um, uh, period of time, we re-interviewed all the people and the feedback that came out was uh, they felt it was a completely different team than it was before. Yeah. So again, this is, I'm bringing this example because for me was uh, a, a personal learning in the sense that I, I, I identify for the first time at that point that uh, you cannot just do training and throw training at people, right? You have to kind of understand and contextualize it. Where is it? And uh, you got to involve not only the participant, but also the, uh, the infrastructure behind the participants. So the managers, the team leaders, you know, there, there has to be a purpose. Why, what are, why are we doing this for? So what is the training for, right? So to me, this, this entire process is, is not a one day or a two days or a five days, but it's a process from the beginning to the end. And that has to go into the design. And that yeah. process may include a number of components, right? Uh, and, and if you want to have training that is uh, impactful rather than uh, enjoyable, because I think there is always the, the kind of, uh, you know, um, misunderstanding that training has to be fun only, right? Yeah, you can make it fun. We can do a lot of things for fun. That's not a problem. But it's not just about making it enjoyable. It's about making it relevant, making it impactful. And so that's, again, it's a, a beginning there is a middle and there is an end. <laughs> and uh, that has to be, you know, kind of, uh, is an iterative process. It's not just a once-off. It's not, you know, I come over here and apply a model and that's it, right? There has to be a con con consistent discussions with the key, key stakeholders in the, in the group, if you want. And again, I'm talking about, uh, this I'm talking about uh, more uh, probably around the idea of um, uh, intact team, uh, organizational training, right? Which I think is the, probably the most uh, the most impactful one you can have, um, and it's different from training that you do with uh, you know open classrooms, for example, whereby again people may become aware on their own initiative or they've been sent or whatever it may be, but at the same time there has to be some form of individual objective set, right? So there has to yeah. be still a certain amount of conversation around what are you trying to get out of this. So a piece of initial framing of what the training is about or what are the expectations and then there has to be a closed loop at the end of it yeah yeah and again I mean, yeah, sorry go go ahead no <laughs> you know sorry. you know what because i was just thinking about you and my memories of you because you know uh i nearly heard about you first before i even met you you know it's because yeah. you provide that learning experience and for me you know i i, I modeled myself on you quite a bit, as you know, uh, with, with very dif different aspects, you know, and, and for me, I think, you know, if anybody, you, you're like the, a program director and diploma of coaching and, and many other leadership uh, programs that we have been on. And, you know, it is really about that experience that you've created. Mm -hmm. And what I like about you as well is that 
it's it's engaging with theory you know it has that dialogue so everybody that comes out of your classrooms are absolutely enthralled with the experience it's a wonderful thing to watch people just come out of your room and everyone's just going to go that was brilliant wasn't it and for me you know you reinforce the learning with your your drawing drawings and the support materials that you have and i think it's it's what you have is a toolkit that you don't just rely on one or two tools is you go, okay, this is what you do is you give people all the tools available to them, show them how you can work them. And then you're empowering people uh, to do that. And I think that's what learning should be as well. How do you design an element of energy in it? And sometimes the energy is the difficult conversation that you have or the challenging conversations, or sometimes the energy is just fun. Yeah, but still they're they're memorable they're memorable moments and I have to say, anytime we collaborated, I I was just like, oh, that's the competition. How do I how do I keep up with this guy? You know, but well, you uh, do I think know how, I, don't you? You do I, know how. I, I tell me more. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, the whole idea of uh, bringing uh, you know the approach of using Lego for uh, uh, for training, I think, uh, was uh, was uh, was absolutely inspiring. You know, so yeah. What, yeah. you know, I've been, I, and I've been playing with Lego since I was probably four or five, right? Yes. And I had tons of Legos in my attic and I kind of, for whatever reason, I never thought about saying, well, why don't we use that one for learning, right? Well, until yeah. you came out and say, you know, well, we should be using this. And you, you kind of introduce us to that process. And mm. uh, and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're doing the kind of, I mean, an executive classroom and you're coming in with Legos and people are looking at you like, what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> the I, value. I, 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 and this is is incredible. And this is the thing is is for me, you have to take those risks. Yeah. You know, but it's with that intentionality. Like I didn't just say, listen, let's try this out. You know, there's people have done PhDs on Lego serious play. And for me, I'm actually in the middle of actually trying to transfer it online. So there's a lot of evidence where it's actually working online um, and it's creating a, a lot more of an engaging experience for people online because people are just sick of just Zoom calls that are just going on and on and on uh, and just conversations. And I, I think that's what's great about, you know, and this podcast is all about making a difference yeah. is, is that w- we don't see each other as competitors even though technically we are, according to, you know, revenue uh, and 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 the tax man, um, we are we're collaborators, and I and I think that's when we partner with companies. I be a collaborator with whoever the HR person I'm dealing with, and likewise. But what they don't know in between is we're collaborating in the background to lift each other up. Yeah, and I and and and. Everybody that's on the podcast, that's what I'm trying to demonstrate is if people collaborated more, you're actually lifting everybody up. And, and I think it to be a lot less conflict in the workplace if people operated in that whole sense of uh, abundance, you know. Yeah. I think I, 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 I remember in IBM, we used to have a word for that, which wasn't maybe not as, as, as clear as we have today, but it's called competition, right? I, I think right now we're actually kind of uh, the competition piece. We kind of digitize all together, if you want, to, and we start looking at uh, you know this real idea of collaboration. Because at the end of the day, you know, 
if you don't really support each other in this kind of business, uh, in, uh, in generating idea, we don't really develop, we don't really innovate. Innovation comes from that collaboration in, uh, in, in sharing uh, uh, you know, critical ideas because, again, I've been playing with Lego for so long, but I never really be thought about it until I saw you using it, right? And that mm. makes it obvious. And so there is this, this idea of uh, you know, the spark, that kind of uh, you know generate this uh, this uh, this this new way of doing what we are doing, if you want, you know. So I, I think it's essential that we are looking at each other in this business as collaborators, uh, more more so than competitors, because yeah. uh, competitors all of a sudden you kind of start holding on and you know you you trying to kind of uh, uh, holding on to your models and your, uh, uh, your 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 processes, right? But the only place where you're gonna stay is, is is there. And the moment you're gonna go into a classroom, you know you can't hold on to them anymore, right? Somebody's bound to see them. I think the the most interesting exercise that, that I use in training, I probably learn it from somebody else's, and yeah. I make them mine by changing them, right? I don't think I have done any disservice to them, right? <laughs> because yeah. they're still using it, right? But they're using it in a different context. So, to, to me, this idea of holding on to your own, you know, specific things. It's um, it's a little bit like I think that there is a usual metaphor that we use for this, right? You can buy a, a, a wonderful set of uh, fresh ingredients and give them to an exactly chef versus giving them to you know somebody never cooked in their life. The same ingredients gonna 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 get a completely different result. Okay, I think this is exactly where we are at. So as competitors, it's not so much uh, uh, about uh, you know stealing from from each other, but it's about uh, how do we use what we have to you know, support each other in the process, if you want to, and create a, a profession, if you want, because this is this is what it is. It's a profession. It's a very serious profession, the, the one of the, of the trainer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And again, you can call them trainer, facilitator. You want to, yeah, you probably have different names for it. Uh, learning and development professional. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, right? But there is a process. There is a set of tools. There is a set of uh, thinking that goes into developing, uh, you know, effective uh, organizational training and development. So we, we need to give it the attention that it deserves, you know. And, and, and I think that that's an important point because um, it's like anything. If you're a golfer or a hmm. sports person or a soccer player or a hurler, you know, um, you know, if you're good at something, you make it look easy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and 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 I and for me, I'm going to ask you uh, uh, a couple of questions because we're nearing our our time now. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, you know, I think the difference that I'd like to make in in the workplace is is making learning a habit. Okay, mm-hmm. because if you have that, then you know, you know, you have everything because you know you've identified a destination where you want to get to and your focus is very much there. And I, I strongly believe in that. I think there's a Harvard business article on that now. Mm. And for me, my question to you would be is, is, is if you were to have that kind of legacy, you know, what difference would you like to make in the workplace? So for, especially if people were to engage with you, what, what would your, your vision be? Well, I think, uh, I, I think I put my vision in my, in my tagline, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, inspire meaningful change, right? And 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 I, I think I talked about that for a, a long time before distributing what it is today, and because initially it was just inspiring, right? But you can inspire anything, really. <laughs> right? So the idea of meaningful change uh, to, to me has these two 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 words, right? The, the word change, which is something that um, for a, a lot of people is scary, right? 
the the fact is the change is uh, is a necessity is not uh, um an accident you know what i mean um if, you know if water is left to sit it's gonna stagnate and become potent right and the same is for everything else the the, the entire universe is constant change you know what i mean so change is uh, is almost like um you know uh, uh, a requirements for survival you know if you don't change we don't survive yeah so that that is something that we need to accept and i know that is uncomfortable for some of us mm. more than others but change is part of uh, of uh, is a requirement you're moving if you're not moving you're dying essentially right okay. so uh, and i'm making it very drastic about it because uh, i think there is a philosophical I, I believe that there is a philosophical component to it but everything around us changes consistently constantly we change ourselves we are not really the same you know what i mean we are, we got hold and things like that. so change is part of what life is if you want to put it that way so uh, we need to accept it obviously there is an element of saying well what what will make that change meaningful because we can yeah. change for the good or we can change for the worse right so this is where possibly we have our um, our level of control over our own destinies if you want to put it that way so what is it that i can make how can i make that change meaningful what does it mean to me to change and how do i change in some way that contribute to others so to me that's where i tend to focus the most when i when i do what i what i do right and uh, yeah sometimes it does run afoul of all the other components because uh, you know sometimes a meaningful changes requires tough decisions <laughs> tough choices yeah. and uh, you know um, it requires effort it requires uh, uh, discomfort you know what i mean but um, again it's like um, I love being in a classroom. Probably is the reason why I'm a matrony because I love that kind of interaction in the mm. in the room, if you want to, right? And uh, and so when all this situation of COVID happened and we had to go on um, on uh, on online, initially was more of a fear of not having, you know, how how am I sustaining my 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 business by 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 you know by not being in a classroom? And um, and today I start discovering that actually there is so many other things you could do because it's virtual. You can hop into a classroom in five minutes. You don't have to kind of, uh, uh, you know, do two hours drive or half an hour drive and uh, get upset in the traffic, get all stressed out. So there are all those kind of positives that before we didn't see. Now, there are negative too, right? Don't get me wrong, right? But uh, I, I, again, in balance, the fact that we can adapt to something like this, it speaks to who we are as a, as a, a humankind, you know what I mean? So this is something that is happening right now. It's tough. It's creating a lot of uh, fear, a lot of, but you know, we can adapt to it and we can, you know, use our abilities, our, our talents to make a significant change for the better. Right. And, and maybe, you know, there will be one day whereby we're going to all come back together into, uh, into, into a classroom whereby we can actually, you know, uh, enjoy the, 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 to be, to be, being together like we used to be before. Right. So, Again, to me, there is that kind of understanding. Change is part of our life. How do we make it meaningful is up to us. So that's where I, I tend to focus on, inspiring that meaningful change. Thank you so much for that, uh, Fabio, and thank you for sharing those words. If people were to get in contact with you, do they contact you by your website, social media? How would they contact you? Well, I guess probably contact me directly by email probably is the easiest one, right, at this point in time. I do a website and I am on LinkedIn as well. 
But um, yeah, usually I, you know, my 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 email is Fabio at coreideas.org. and uh, that's where they can contact me more easily. Yeah, so that's core ideas, C O R E ideas dot com. Is it? Is that correct? Org dot org. Uh, dot org. Okay. Yeah. All right. And on are you on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn, indeed. Yeah. Y- yeah. Okay. So they connect with you on that. Yeah, they can connect me on LinkedIn, of course. Fabio, thank you so much for this conversation today. It's as always, we, we talk quite regularly, but it's it's great uh, for you to be a guest on the show, on the podcast. Uh, thank you very much for that. Thank you for having me. It was a great, uh, great conversation. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the Workplace Podcast. My special thanks to this week's guest for a wonderful discussion. If you want to get in contact with a podcast about a workplace topic or a particular challenge that you're facing, contact me via Twitter at Different Paths. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, William Corliss, C-O-R-L-E-S-S, or go to my website, www.yellowwood.ie. Yellowwood, your external learning and development partner, provider executive coaching, facilitation, and training. Take a different path to success with your career, leadership, team, and organization.